When I look in the mirror, I don't see wrinkles. When I look in the mirror, I see hair on my head, not my shoulder. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the fountain of truth. The fountain of truth about what? Well, the fountain of truth about aging. And one of the things that we do become, even though I make fun of all the commercials, when we get a little older, is we often become a patient. And that can be a good thing because it's not always about ill health. It's very frequently about maintaining your health. But there is such a thing as the Patient Safety Movement Foundation. And we have today with us uh, Dr. David Mayer, who is the CEO. He's going to be talking about what that's all about, what patient safety means. There are three different categories that he looks at with regard to this. And he's also going to be talking about the health, the safety of the healthcare worker, the person who you come in contact with, somebody who as we age may even feel a little bit like part of our family. I know that for quite a while I didn't live uh, very close to my own family. We FaceTimed and so on. I probably saw healthcare workers and chatted with them more about my personal life than I did with some family members. So we got to keep them healthy too because we're all in the same circle of life. So uh, Dr. Mayer, thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you, Adrian. It's great to be on your program and, and look forward to discussing these important topics. They are, and they're very unique topics. As I mentioned to you before we started, we have a lot of information on this show, and often we repeat with uh, experts in the same field. This is new to everybody. So can you explain to us first the Patient Safety Movement Foundation, what's its mission, and how did you get involved? I'd be glad to. Uh, the Patient Safety Movement Foundation was founded in 2012, by a gentleman called Joe Chiani. Joe had been in, uh, exposed to many families that lost loved ones due to opioid respiratory depression and patients not being monitored with pulse oximetry in the hospital. It's a very easy tool that we use to monitor respiratory rate and depression and respiratory you know, saturations of oxygen. And for some reason, it wasn't being used in many hospitals and people were dying. So Joe founded the Patient Safety Movement Foundation and put a stake in the ground and said, we need to get to zero preventable deaths across the world. Now, patient safety wasn't a new issue. In, in 1999, the Institute of Medicine came out with a report that showed between 46 and 95,000 people die every year from preventable medical harm. So we knew the issue was there, but Joe raised it. Now the Patient Safety Movement Foundation is working in 64 countries and with 4,800 hospitals around the world, providing free solutions and tools that can be used at the front lines of care to make it safer and to save lives from you know, good people who go to work every day trying to heal, but our systems and processes have been so faulty through the years that good people, when they make mistakes, those mistakes many times lead to harm, and, and that's what we're trying to prevent. Yeah, we had a wonderful uh, uh, session with Dr. Monica Sternin, who's at Tufts, and uh, one of the things they do at the, at the Positive Deviance Institute, they're very interesting, was teach hospital employees how to wash their hands. Now, with COVID, 
there's been so much understanding of this. But for a long time, people would get MRSA uh, infections in hospitals because there was not enough hand washing. Such something so small as that. Now, I do know that the foundation looks at a, a variety of things when it comes to three key priorities. And just tell us what they are so that we as patients and also the loved ones of patients could have that awareness of the three key areas that you think uh, could use improvement, let's say, and must be uh, must be in our consciousness. Yeah, and I, from the, the big three areas that we believe in, and what we've done uh, just in this last year is we called for a patient safety moonshot. Mm-hmm. We believe when the country puts its mind behind something with the best researchers and experts. We saw it when President Kennedy declared that we were going to put a man on the moon within a decade, and we achieved that. We've seen it with vaccines for polio. We've seen different illnesses like hepatitis C come to the point of being cured. We believe we could hit zero preventable harm by the end of this decade, and and the three things that we've been advocating for, besides the great example you just shared about everybody should be washing their hands before they go in and out of different patients' rooms. Before the pandemic, hospitals were excited when their hand washing rates hit 90%. And and that's embarrassing, truthfully, that one out of every 10 don't wash hands when they go into a room. So the three things we're really pushing for now are the creation of a National Patient Safety Board. This is similar to what was created in aviation with the National Transportation Safety Board, a way to share learning about harmful events so that all hospitals could learn together and improve together. We saw that in aviation or to made aviation so safe. The second was we need to align incentives much better to clinical outcomes. Right now, hospitals and physicians are reimbursed by the volume and quantity of work they do, not by the quality and safety and outcomes of the work they do. And when we did this a few years ago and we we implemented small amounts of pay-for-performance metrics, all of a sudden in those areas, the central line infection rates improved, the MRSA rates, as you mentioned, improved. So we need to expand those programs so more outcomes are incentivized um, and reimbursed accordingly. And then finally, we need more transparency in healthcare, the ability to share those outcomes so the public can make meaningful choices on where and with who they want their care provided. Many of us know who are the really good doctors and who are the doctors that maybe aren't quite so good. And we select those based on the knowledge we have. The public needs that same sort of transparency. You know, one of the things that uh, is happening in this country is we're all becoming caregivers. Uh, You know, it was Rosalind Conner, I think, who said we're either caregivers, we were caregivers, or we're going to be caregivers. And, again, with my constituency, we may need caregivers. So, And there are two types. There's the family caregiver. Uh, and then there is the professional caregiver, and that includes so many people that need the protections also that you're talking about, the training that you're talking about. When we come back, I'm going to give Dr. Mayer an invitation. It's an invitation to join a different moonshot, and his work 
will be so important with regard to that. But as I always do, I'm going to end here with a little bit of a teaser. I'm not going to tell you what I'm inviting him to. And he doesn't know what I'm inviting him to. But you'll learn that you're being invited to that as well. And what I want everybody to do is think about this. We talk about self-advocacy all the time. But I do want you to know that we're not alone in our advocacy because the Patient Safety Movement Foundation, of which Dr. Mayer is the CEO, is there, is there for us. And I wanted everyone to know that there is such an organization. And we'll tell you how to access it, some of the information that they give you. We'll talk about things that you might want to be aware of when you walk into a doctor's office, a hospital, and so on for your own safety. Because now that COVID is over, I know that telehealth is all the rage. I know it's continuing. You know that Medicare covers that now. By and large, we are going to be face-to-face. So these are all important parts of our healthcare family. Don't you go anywhere. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, And hello, hello, hello once again. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth, the Truth About Aging. And usually you all know that I do a little housekeeping at this stage of my show, but today I'm going to do it a little differently. I'm actually going to bring my guest in right now, Dr. Uh, David Mayer, and he he wears a couple of hats, probably more than a couple of hats, uh, but Patient Safety Movement Foundation, he's the CEO, we've been talking about that, he's going to give you the uh, the website for that in a moment. We're also going to introduce you to MedStar Institute for Quality and Safety. And he's the executive director of the MedStar Institute. So we'll be speaking about that. Uh, but first, before we do anything, I promise to invite people, including Dr. Mayer, uh, as part of my housekeeping today, I'm going to do that. But first, Dr. Mayer, the Patient Safety Movement Foundation, just give us the URL. We'll have that on our website as well. But let everybody know where they can find more information about what you've been talking about. Sure. Thanks, Adrian. Uh, www.patientssafetymovement.org. And it has so many things that you talked about you know, already about ways that um, patients and families can be safer within hospitals. We really focus a lot on um, the public, and we've got tools, and we've got an application called an app called Patient Aider that um, helps families navigate the system, understand what questions they should be asking, tips on how to make sure your loved one is safe, like bringing a family member or a sentinel before the pandemic and the visitation rules had changed. We always advocated that family members have somebody at the bedside at all times that's validating and and verifying that the medication is correct, the treatment that's going to be given is correct. You know, healthcare workers are so busy that many times things fall between the cracks, and and having that extra, you know, advocate there or sentinel, as we like to say, just makes care so much safer. So there's a lot of tips and information for the public 
on how to stay safe within the healthcare system. Right, and that is so in keeping with our mission, which is self-advocacy here. Uh, but I want to talk about another mission and an invitation for a second before we talk a little bit more about uh, your passion, actually, about have, keeping healthcare workers safe, something that's been uh, in the consciousness maybe for the first time during COVID. Uh, but here's the invitation. So you mentioned a moonshot, the moonshot that there would be 0% preventable deaths uh, because of the proper protocols. We have a moonshot, too, and it's funny that you call it moonshot because in our Catalyst Institute, we call it the moonshot, and I work with the United Nations uh, Committee on Aging, and they call it the moonshot, so we're all taking a moonshot. And what is the moonshot? In our case, it is to have a, a national health span policy, and that policy includes not only longevity and living longer, as they have in England, but healthier. Now, one of the components of that is the preventable uh, disease. And uh, for us, it's really geroscience and looking at diseases like diabetes that can be prevented through personal behaviors, through medications and and better devices. But there's another part of prevention, and that's what you talk about. And that is the truly preventable, so that mistakes are not made. And I hope that we can uh, join in a coalition we're having a four-day conference in October. Everybody, every one of my listeners is invited. We had 1,000 people last year, and we hope to have maybe 2,000 this year. So that is called the Metabesity Conference, and it takes place virtually. It's easy, 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 and free. You certainly need uh, a formal invitation, which I will send you, to be part of our coalition for HealthSpan. But I do want to now emphasize the the role that you're playing with your walk, I don't know, it's almost like a protest, but to get people aware of the issues, the healthcare worker. Explain that to us as you've talked about patients. Let's talk about the other the person on the other side of the desk. Yeah, it's it's great. And and last March when I saw a lot of what was setting up and being in healthcare all my life and at the front lines. I, I knew it was going to be worse than many thought, and, and I felt helpless because I'm, uh, by training, I'm a cardiac anesthesiologist, but I've moved out of the operating room in the last eight, nine years, more into the administration and leadership roles within a health system. And I was feeling helpless that I couldn't be there with my colleagues at the front line, and I happened to watch the movie Forrest Gump one night. And I saw when he got up and started running across the country, I said to my wife, you know, maybe uh, I could walk virtually across the country and try to raise awareness for healthcare worker safety during the time of the pandemic. I think a lot of people don't realize that even before the pandemic, healthcare was not a safe profession to work in. Our what are called ocean dart rates. Those are national indicators of, you know, work injuries. Um, when you compare industries like construction and others, healthcare is was more unsafe and had more injuries in it and days away from work than construction or most other industries that are monitored and followed by the uh, government statistics. Things like needle sticks, lifting injuries, falls and slips, uh, while working, and then workplace violence um, was increasing tremendously before 
the pandemic hit. And then we saw the pandemic and all the deficiencies that um, put our healthcare workers at further risk. You know, thousands of those serving us at the front lines died because we didn't prepare them with the equipment, the masks, the training for what they were going through, especially early in the pandemic. And uh, I began walking uh, virtually across the country, San Diego to Jacksonville Beach, Florida, 2,460 miles. I did it over 355 days. But every day I walked in memory of a caregiver or a patient that has lost their lives due to preventable medical harm. And lo and behold, there were over a 1,000 people now that are walking with me across the world trying to raise awareness about the third leading cause of death in the country right now, and that's preventable medical harm after, diabetes, after uh, cancer and heart disease. Well, I congratulate you, and uh, two relational things here. First of all, I'm going to let Everwalk, Everwalk and Free Walkers, are two long-distance walking organizations for our health and better aging. I belong to both, and uh, we, we walk across the world. And so I'm mm-hmm. sure that they'd be interested in putting that on their websites, and you'll get more people walking with you. And these are people who just love to walk. Uh, and, and people ask us, what are you walking for? And we say, because we still can. But in our case, maybe we'll now say, well, we're, we're, we're walking with Dr. David Mayer, right? Uh, and the second thing I wanted to tell you is, you know, this show is always astonishes me. Um, I'm going to have another uh, guest on in, in a couple of weeks after you. And they, have, they did a survey, the Physicians Foundation Survey of American Physicians, Nearly one in four physicians know another physician who committed suicide during the COVID epidemic. The amount of mental issues that have occurred, not just physical and violence and so on, to healthcare workers. So for many years, I was an elder law attorney and one of the founders of NALA, National Academy of Elder Law Attorneys. And that's where I learned the word burnout. Boy, healthcare workers for chronic care burn out very, very quickly. The pressure and the stress causes a lot of pain. We come back, we're going to talk about what you can do to maybe even give a lift and a health, uh, a healthy hello to your healthcare worker, but also how to protect yourself if there are issues in, in, in the medical firm that you're working with. Don't you go anywhere. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit. I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da 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 da, da 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 da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me not even a bit. Cause I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da da. And hello, 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 this is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bowl, the fountain of truth, the fountain of truth about aging. I want to get right back to our discussion, uh, but so I will very quickly tell you, don't forget to go on our website, adrianberg.com, A-D-R-I-A-N-E-B-E-R-G.com. We have our blog there. We archive all of our shows there. You can also go to Ask Adrian or contact Adrian, tell me. A question that you may have and like answered, if you have somebody you would like to put on this show or a topic, this is your show. It belongs to you. Let me know. But it's also the place where 
Uh, you can tell me that you're interested in geroscience, that you're interested in your own longevity, your own healthy longevity, and I will be able to give you free invitations to all of our webcasts. We just had a fabulous one on mitochondria, strengthening of the cells. We are going to have one on biomarkers. Do they really work? Should you spend money? Anywhere from $35 to $500 to get checked with regard to your biological age. Is that something that's worth doing? Nutraceuticals and so on. And, of course, our big four-day conference, virtual and free, in October. So you just go to adrianberg.com, and you will be able to tap in to our network on health span, healthy longevity. Now, I'm going to go back now to, uh, to our guest, uh, who's been uh, so revealing to us about things that we ought to know, because he is the CEO of the Patient Safety Movement Foundation. I'm going to ask him to give the URL for that again. His name is Dr. David Mayer, and he's walked across country to bring awareness to issues of our own health care workers. So I have a couple of questions about that one in a minute. But, uh, Dr. Mayer, just give us the Patient Safety Movement Foundation website uh, address again. Sure. Sure, Adrian. It's www.patientsafetymovement.org. And as you mentioned, uh, we're a volunteer organization. I volunteer my time as CEO. We've got over 500 volunteers, family members, healthcare givers, healthcare leaders, experts around the world who dedicate their time trying to provide these free solutions to both patients and family members as well as hospitals and health systems. Well, it's wonderful, and uh, if there are volunteer opportunities, let's know about that because one of the things that we promote here is something I, I call it contributory aging. I don't know uh, if that's going to catch on as a, as a word because right now everybody's looking at life purpose uh, for people who are retired. But I look at it a little differently, and that is your life purpose should be contributory. What are you contributing to the world? And one of the the wonderful things about this country, actually, is we come out very well in volunteerism. We are the most volunteering uh, first world nation in the, in, in the world right now. We don't always come out on top when it comes to health care, but this we do. So here's another place for you to volunteer. Now, I don't want to scare people, but uh, Dr. Mayer wears a different hat, a day, a day hat. Uh, he is the executive director of MedStar Institute for Quality and Safety. And why I use the word, I don't want to scare people, is, yeah, we need uh, we need monitoring of quality and safety, just as we do with cars, because things can go wrong. So give us a little heads up. What is, is the focus today of MedStar Institute? What are you looking for uh, that we want to know about where you think that there may be needs improvement, as my fifth grade a uh, teacher used to say, needs improvement. What <laughs> needs improvement with quality and safety here in the U.S.? Um, well, it's a great question. And, you know, where my role at MedStar, and I was blessed to um, be recruited there in 2012 to help lead up the quality and safety initiatives. And MedStar is like many other large health systems or hospitals across the country, in that we realized we had a problem and we realized we had to go after it and make healthcare higher quality and safer. We had too many infection rates of patients who came into hospitals for one thing, but ultimately ended up with an infection that caused serious harm to them or potentially death. We have medication mistakes that 
have been made, but we've done a lot of great improvements to make healthcare safer. And look, we do amazing things in healthcare. People, uh, you know, are, are cancers that we thought first untreatable 10 years ago are now being treated successfully. Procedures are being done outside hospitals when in the past you'd have to go in and spend seven days with a large incision. Now we're doing it through laparoscopic approaches and you go home the same day. So I, I want to highlight that we do great things in healthcare, but it hasn't come with some cost because the systems and processes and the speed at which we try to do our work many times causes us to make mistakes. And look, the saying is always, you know, to err is human. I, I joke when I give talks across the country or now virtually, I probably make 10 to 20 mistakes a day um, on things I routinely do, but for some reason that day I had a lapse or a, I was trying to multitask. So we have to make our healthcare system safer. And what we focus on on MedStar is first, we've got to improve the culture of safety. Everybody has to be thinking and prioritizing quality and safety. No, you know, at our board meetings at MedStar, we start with safety and quality metrics, and then we get to financials, and then we get to marketing and other important issues that maintain the strength of our health system. But if you don't prioritize safety first, we start every meeting with a safety moment. It's a 45 to 60 second story about something that either went very well because a nurse might have raised their hand and stopped the line and prevented a patient from getting harmed or a story of somebody who did get harmed and what we learned from it and how we improved our systems. Um, so I think culture of safety within a healthcare organization gets back to that aligning quality and safety first versus our financial stability, so to speak. Um, you, know, you know, we look at innovation. Dr. May, I just want to tell you, there are four words I'd like to eliminate from our lexicon. That I'm 73. These are four mm -hmm. words I have not heard when I was a young person. Let me tell you what they are. Maybe we, you can meditate on it. In your, it is, here are the words. It's a simple procedure. It's mm -hmm. a simple procedure. Uh, you have a cyst. Oh, we could take it out. It's a simple procedure. You need. You have an appendix little problem. We could take it out. It's a simple procedure. Um, or beauty. Oh, you want a little cheekbone? Okay, it's a simple procedure. You know what a simple procedure is? A simple procedure is something that somebody else is having. <laughs> if it's you, it's not a simple procedure. And that's a problem. You hit the nail on the head. We have made things quite a bit easier in our terrific strides. And I'm not sorry for those strides. Endoscopic procedures are are wonderful. You go in, you go out, and you, you, you're on the golf course. But there is a tendency for everybody, the patient, the patient's loved ones, the doctor, the nurse, the PA, to say, well, you know, it's a simple procedure. Can't go wrong. Uh, I'm going to yeah. tell you this in, in, a, in an instant. Uh, the fellow who discovered me for radio in 1988 had a, a simple procedure, a full foot operation, and he passed away. Mistakes were made, and the next thing you knew, he was gone. So this is what I think MedStar is, uh, Institute has identified. So, so let, let me ask you that question when we come back. Do we now have a new component to monitoring progress? Just like when we talk about health span, we used to talk about longevity. If you lived longer, it was good. 
But now we want to live longer with no comorbidities. We've added something to our goals. Are we seeing that same mission here? Things should be cheaper. Things should be faster. But should we add that mission of safety? Don't you go anywhere. We'll be right back and have that discussion. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate for my age. Da-da-da-da, da-da-da-da. You may think that I'm full of it, but that doesn't bother me, not even a bit, because I am happy, and I freely admit I'm inappropriate. And hello, hello, hello. This is Adrian Berg, and this is Generation Bold, the Fountain of Truth. Please go to our website. You know, we do a lot of different things here. We cover the ground of beauty, fashion. Lately, I've been able to uh, access brand new products and services. And you know, we don't take any advertising here, so there's nothing to sell. But I am talking to the designers because there's something called advanced style. Ah, how do you like that? That's for beauties like us who are well over the age of 60. I'm sick and tired of all of the uh, models who are catering to the boomer, and they're all 23 years old. So we talk about everything around here. And go to adrianberg.com. If there's something you want to hear about, let us know. Right now, there's something I want to hear about. Uh, We've been speaking with uh, Dr. David Mayer. He is the executive director of MedStar Institute. They look at quality and safety for us. And he personally has a great passion for safety for our healthcare workers because without them being safe, we're not. And he's also the CEO of Patient Safety Movement Foundation. Now, Dr. Mayer, a couple of things. First of all, please give us a URL. Uh, you cannot underestimate the amount of information you'll get for yourself and your family if you go there so that you can be self-protective and self-advocacy. But then again, you told me, about a wonderful event that you're putting on. So let's hear first the URL and then tell us about the event. Thanks, Adrian. The, the URL is www.patientsafetymovement.org. And as you mentioned, there's a lot of great information uh, on our websites, updates, things like that. Uh, we also, last year, because of the pandemic, we flipped our model like everyone, and we ran a virtual Um, three-hour program called Unite for Safe Care that was on September 17th, which is World Patient Safety Day. And this coming September 17th, we will do another Unite for Safe Care program. We are aligned with the WHO. And um, last year, we had Dr. Tedros, the CEO of the World Health Organization, kick off our meeting. Uh, The program features entertainment, musicians, congressional leaders. Uh, President Clinton closed the program. We've had stories, and mostly it's to educate the public and make them aware of things that they could do within their health system to be safer and to ensure that they come out um, with high-quality safe care. So, We had over 125,000 people view the program last year. It's free, and uh, we hope people will save that date, September 17th. And there's all the information to register for it on the Unite for Safe Care 
uh, page of the Patient Safety Movement Foundation's website. So I hope the public would go there and check it out. It was very entertaining and very enjoyable and mostly very educating. Well, I think that's wonderful. Uh, and as I promised, not only will I personally register, but I'll make sure that all of our Catalyst Institute people, the Metabesity Conference people, and my own uh, followers know about this. It's very important, and I, and I want to bring that, uh, that in right now. Uh, we are getting better health uh, cures. We're not great at prevention, and I want to talk about that. But I always say the U.S. is a great place to be sick. It's just not a very good place to stay well because uh, working with the United Nations, I do know the comparatives, and it's a pity. Because we're around the middle. We spend uh, more of our GNP on health care than any other first world nation. And we're about in the middle of health span, healthy longevity. And COVID put our face right into it. Uh, the reason that we had so many elders pass away was that we were really not in good shape. Our immune system wasn't great. Our inflammation levels weren't great. Our lung capacity wasn't great. And uh, we, don't, we don't realize that. We have a little bit of, of hubris here. But one of the things you mentioned, Dr. Mayer, was we really don't pay for prevention. It has to be out of pocket. And I'm worried. I'm worried about the underserved elder population that can't do what I do. Buy a mirror, uh, take, you know, exercise at home, uh, eat the right foods. I, I'm very concerned about this because a lot of this can be prevented so that you don't have to get health care in the first place if you are very careful about your lifestyle. And it costs money. I don't know. Do you see? Do you see any shift there at all? Uh, I wish I could be more optimistic, but I don't right now. And, and that's you heard me talk about aligning incentives. Um, we have to figure out a better way to align incentives for prevention and wellness versus letting people get sick and then getting paid for trying to treat them after they're sick. That that model doesn't make sense, um, look, we all will eventually need treatment no matter how healthy and, and uh, the access to food and exercise, things like that, and that's fine, but why can't we figure out how to prevent people from coming into the hospital as frequently as they do for treatment of an illness? You talked about diabetes, the same thing for heart disease. I could go down the list, and so... Um, we need to improve. Well, I, I actually have a little bit of an explanation just from my point of view. And um, this is why I think coalitions are so important. The Catalyst Institute is for the delay and prevention of age-related diseases. And one of the problems that we are facing, and it's part of our mission, is that the FDA, the Federal Drug Administration, Food and Drug Administration, uh, has endpoints that they require to be shown in order to approve a drug. And they all have to do with disease. You, ha you have to fit into this 19th century uh, way of looking at, 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 the, at biology as diseases. It's siloed. So if something can cure cancer, okay. If something can prevent cancer, it's very difficult to get it through the FDA. And if it's not through the FDA, it's not going to be covered by insurance or Medicare or Medicaid. So there's a, there's a chain here that I'm trying to teach my, my consumers to understand, my listeners. And that chain goes from what, what do we approve to what gets paid for out-of-pocket versus covered, either by entitlements or insurance. And if we can change 
more approvals for prevention than for cure, maybe there'll be less need for cure. So I think we're on the same page here, Dr. Mayer. It's, it's a tough one to bring out yes. to explain, but I do want to thank you so much for the work you're doing, and I want to make a personal promise that I will promote what you're doing to the extent that we can in every way. Thank you so much for being with us today. Well, thank you, Adrienne, and, and everybody keep walking. It's not only healthy physically, it's healthy mentally, and uh, it's what we do to raise awareness for the Patient Safety Movement Foundation. Yes, we will do that, and be a long-distance walker because you can. And now it's getting a little better, so I'll end my show as I do. Get out there, kids, and make it happen. I'm inappropriate.